I pray that you've had a great week this week. Amen? That should be an amen. Amen, amen, amen. Have you ever had your wife make fun of you? I would not tell this, but I can tell it. My wife is here. So if I get in trouble, I'm all right. Uh, how, how many of you are, are starting to experience memory problems? Yeah. Yeah, memory problems. Well, we got this device at, uh, at Christmas, and uh, you'll sort of maybe understand, those of you that are technical, te 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 you know, you're technical. I'm not really technical. Jessica, do not snort on this, okay? Whatever you do. So anyway, I went into the bedroom the other night, and, and I, I just wanted to, to play some music, so I, I couldn't remember what I was supposed to say. So I just, Amazon, Echo. Well, Meredith walks in the, in the room, and I got my phone, and I'm trying to, okay, what's the name? What am I supposed to, to say? Uh, Alexa. Oh, yeah, Alexa. Meredith thought that was the funniest thing in the world, you know. You guys are supposed to laugh at that. That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know, after a while, certain things you start, you start to forget, but I pray that you won't forget what we've been talking about over these past several weeks, especially as we talk about following following Jesus. Um, one of the things that we've learned, that we've been learning as we've been walking through this time, is that that, that invitation to follow Jesus just wasn't for those people that were back there 2,000 years ago, but that same invitation that Jesus offered at that time, Jim, is still available to us today. You know, the blessing is, as we, as we look at it, some of you were, were blessed to have family members, parents that loved you and brought you to church early on. You, you may have, have known about the Lord ever since you were a little child, learned the scriptures, um, learned about the Lord early on. Then there are others of you that your experience with, with Christ, your, your relationship with the Lord may have come in your teen years. I mean, there was a girl or guy that went to this church, and man, you somewhere along the line, you figured out if you were to go to church, you could spend a little bit more time with them and hopefully have a relationship with them. And, and so you started going to church, and it was there at that time that you heard about this person by the name of Jesus, and maybe even at that time that you made a decision to follow Christ. I mean, I can tell you lots of stories where, where something like that is taking place, but then there are others of you that, you know, up until this time, you came to know the Lord maybe later on in life, and maybe there are some of you that are here listening. You've still not made a decision to follow Jesus, but you're sort of leaning in that direction, but you're trying to figure it out, and, and my statement to you is, is this. You know, the to read the Bible, you don't have to be a follower of Christ. You can read the Bible and not be a follower of Christ. You can not be a good person and still receive that invitation to follow Jesus because Jesus didn't come to seek and save those that were healthy, but those that were lost. And last time that I looked, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. And so we've been talking about what does it look like to follow Christ? And we've been going to a lot of extent to try to go, that, go, go there um, and, and deal with this subject over the past several weeks. And today we're going to be back in the Gospel of Mark. And I want you to go ahead and turn, turn there today. That's where we're going to be at today in the Gospel of Mark is we look at a story where, where Jesus gives us a picture or Mark gives us a picture of what leadership really looks like as it, re, as it reflects on following Jesus 
And what we're going to see today is Jesus with his, with, with his disciples, and they're on the way to Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to stop, and he's going to have this discussion with them while they're on the way. And, and what he's going to say today is, is something that's, that wasn't just applicable for them, to, them back then, but it's also something that's very applicable to us today. And I'm going to finish up our time with giving you four words that I think, man, listen, if you will apply these four words to your life, they will change not only your life, but it has the ability to change the lives of those within your sphere of influence. But we're going to start out in Mark chapter 10. We're going to start there in Mark in, uh, in verse 32. But let me just say this up front. Mark, Mark was not one of the first original disciples, but, but he gained everything, all of his knowledge and, um, and that, he, that he had about Jesus from Peter, who was one of the first followers of Christ. We also know that Mark was, uh, was invited to go along with Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys. And so even though Mark wasn't a, a, one of those first um, disciples, he gained an awful lot from those guys. And he records for us what we find here today. Um, and here in, here in this gospel, you're going you're gonna to hear some things that I believe that you're going to go, oh my goodness gracious, this is so applicable to where I am. But this is what we read this morning there, beginning in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. You read along with me. They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and the disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. He's taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more. You might want to circle that, or you might want to underline it. He said he once more began to describe, in other words, this has happened before, everything that was about to happen to end to them. So here is Jesus. He, they're, they're on their way up until this point. I mean, everything had been going well, the crowds, the healings, the miracles, the teachings. But Jesus is saying, look, guys, I want to tell you again that, that this isn't going to always be this way, that things are about to change. And I've told you guys this before. Matter of fact, I've already told you twice before. And if you want to go back and look, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, he had already addressed this issue of what's going to take place, but they just weren't listening. But Jesus says, look, guys, listen to what I'm telling you. And he goes on in verse 33, and he tells us again this same, he gives the same picture that he'd already given twice before in Mark 8 and Mark 9. And this is what he said. We're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, talking about himself, will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law. And they, he's talking about the priest and the, and, the, and the leaders of the religious law. He says, we'll sentence him, talking about himself, to die and hand him over to the Romans. And look, they will mock him. They'll spit on him. They'll flog him with a whip. And they're going to kill him. And this is Jesus giving a description of what's going to take place in his life. And then he says, but after three days, he will rise again. And Peter, <laughs> talking about Peter, Peter, I already know how you feel about this because you've already, you've already rebuked me earlier. If you, if you know the story, I mean, that's where Jesus, he rebukes Jesus and Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, because you're an offense unto me. In other words, Peter, you, you're not thinking from my father's perspective. You're thinking from your perspective. You're not thinking about what my father's thinking about. Um, in, in the direction that he's moving things, but you're thinking about what you want. You're only thinking about yourself. See, what they were thinking is that they're on the way to Jerusalem. They're getting ready to celebrate again because that's why they would go to Jerusalem. They would go to Jerusalem to, for celebrations and festivals to remember the things of God. But this time Jesus was saying it was going to be different. Jesus is pouring out his heart 
You know, and you think that these guys would pick up what he was trying to lay down. That's a Steve Whitaker saying. You guys understand you're picking up what I'm laying down for you? And then look at what he says in verse 35. Look at what happens. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, these were some of the first guys that Jesus had called. They had been with Jesus for the longest when they were out fishing. Come over, and they spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you, would, we want you to do us a favor. Oh, yeah, I understand all that stuff that you're talking about, Jesus. But in the middle of that, these guys break in and say, Jesus, listen, in spite of all that stuff, will you do us a favor? <laughs> it's like they didn't even hear. And look at what it says. Jesus responds, well, what is your request? Like he didn't already know. He already knew. I mean, have you ever wondered, you know, what it would be like to be able to understand and know what people thought before they asked the question? That would put us in a lot of, that'd put a, what they were thinking about. But Jesus always knew that. But he knew what they were asked before they would ever ask. And, and, and he says, they, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, this is what they're asking Jesus, we want to sit in a place of honor next to you on your right, one on the right and the other on your left. For goodness sake, I mean, did you hear anything that Jesus had to say or were they so distracted by their own agenda? But listen, before you make... Before you, before you start looking down on James and John, I mean, how many times do we come to Jesus with our own agendas? How many times do we come with, to Jesus with something on our minds? See, the only thing that they could think of was the fact that they believed that Jesus was going to be the king of Israel and lead them out from underneath the Roman oppression. With that on their mind, the only thing that they could think about is that when that transition took place, they wanted to make sure that they were in close proximity to Jesus as closest to the king as possible because those closest to the king, those closest in proximity to the king, those that had a place and position close to the king would also have authority and power. And here are the guys that had gone from fishing early on that Jesus had caught them out of, and now they've become politicians. Yeah. They had become distracted. They had missed out on everything that Jesus was trying to to say because they had an agenda. They had their own agenda. They weren't looking from a kingdom perspective, but they were looking from an earthly perspective. They weren't looking from what God's perspective was, but they were looking from their own perspective. They only knew what they knew. And look at what he says, what it says there in verse 38. But Jesus went on to say to them, you don't have a clue of what you're asking. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I know all this stuff that you're talking about. It's not really that big a deal. It'll be over after a while. I mean, the baptism and the suffering and all that kind of stuff, we can handle that. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. We got it. We got it. Not realizing exactly what it would end up costing them in the long run. Not really understanding fully. Have you ever made a commitment to something not really understanding the cost that it would require? If you know anything about James and John, you know that James would eventually be martyred and John would be exiled for their, for their faith. But they still had yet to pick up on what Jesus was trying to tell them. So this conversation is going on. And then look over here what's happening on the back 40. Verse 41. The other 10 disciples heard James and John had asked and they were indignant. In other words, did you just hear what that joker said? Hey, man, did you hear... And it says indignant. Now, I don't know how you sort of define that word indignant, but it's not good. Okay, they were sort of angry. They were bitter. They were annoyed. They were agitated. I mean, because who in the world wants to be left out? 
And I wonder if they were so agitated because they were thinking, well, you know, we should have asked that question first. But here they are, they're fighting over positions and who's going to get what and, and who's going to be on first. And I mean, thinking from Jesus' perspective, man, Don, it had to be pretty discouraging. <laughs> it's like going on family vacation. I, I know that you, know, you never experienced this, but you get down the road, you know you're going on family vacation and everything's going okay and cool, and then, then there's a squabble that takes place. Sort of happens, and it, it sort of... It, you know, it just it sort of just moves through the car. And by the time it's over with, you're going, look, you guys better get it together because if you don't get it together, I'm going to pull this vehicle over and we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting right now. Amen. See, I thought, Colt, that only happened in pastor's cars. I'm so thankful. It's like Jesus stops and says, okay, guys, I want to I sit you down here for a second. And what Jesus would go on to say, man, is so applicable for us because it wasn't just for the disciples, but this is something that 2,000 years later is so important to those of us that say, man, listen, I want to follow you, Jesus. And look at what goes on. It says, so Jesus called them together, and he said, you know, the rulers of this world, the people that are in leadership, the people that are in authority, they lord it over the people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. It's that idea of, I'm in charge, you know, and I'm the boss, and I'm the CEO, and some people say, I'm the pastor. Look, I put my pants on every day just like you do. I just want you to know that. But so many times, I mean, we get this idea of, man, because I have a position of authority, I'm more important. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm in control. I'm large and in charge. You're here to serve me. That's why they wanted to be close to Jesus. I mean, that's why they wanted that position of authority. Because when Jesus would become the king, that means that I would become more important. And after this exchange of words, Jesus having their attention, he said, guys, look, in spite of everything that you've experienced, in spite of everything that you know, in spite of everything that you've come to believe in reference to this world and how it functions, this is what I want you to know, and he says it in verse 43, but among you, those of you that are following me, among you, it will be different. Did you, have you, did you ever put together that those of us that are followers, that we're supposed to be different? I mean, we're supposed to be different. We, we are supposed to carry ourselves different in the world in which we live. Christ called us to be different. We were created to live differently. The world has its way that it functions, but, but then there's the kingdom perspective. And Jesus says, look, guys, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, I want you to know that in my kingdom, leadership isn't taking advantage of, of others. It's not getting others just to serve you, but leadership is about taking what you have and using it to serve other people. That's what he was saying. And Jesus goes on to say, whoever wants to be a leader among you, whoever wants to have a position, whoever wants to sit in a place of authority, whoever wants to be the boss, there's not a problem with that at all. Not at all. But I want you to understand this. I want you to understand what you're asking and the expectation because whoever wants to be a leader, look at what he says, must be your what? Servant. Servant. And whoever wants to be first, in other words, in charge, the person calling the shots, he says, among you must be the slave of everyone else. 
And Jesus is like saying, guys, I know what you've experienced, but what you've experienced is, that's, that's not me. That's not mine. And some of you may say, you know, you know, he talks about being a slave and being a servant. And some of you are saying, you know, pastor, I just want you to know that works good in the church setting, but it doesn't function well in the, in the business setting. That's, it, 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 that, that may work in the church, but it doesn't work in my environment. Really? See, there's nothing wrong with being large in charge, but what Jesus was saying, when you find yourself in that position, how we use our position and our authority to serve others will say a lot about who we are and who we are following. In other words, we're in that position. When you're in that position of authority and leadership, you use your authority. The way you use your authority, however little or how much you may have, says an awful lot about who you are. I mean, the position, regardless if it's in the home, if it's in the church, if it's in a community in, in some type of a way that you may have to lead or, or even in the place of business. But can you imagine what it would look like if those of us that were believers that said that we were following Christ were to take what Jesus said and we were to apply it? What happens if in the workplace... What happens in the workplace that if you felt like you had, instead of adversaries, you had advocates? What happens if you worked in an environment where there was no shadow of a doubt that the people that you were serving with and serving up underneath, don't y'all like this? Yes. The power goes on and Jesus just spoke. <laughs> what happens if you were to take what you had and the resources that you had and you were to use those resources Instead of to serving yourself, what happens if you were to use those resources to serve others? Can you imagine the, the environment that could be created? Can you imagine the environment that could be created? Yes, no power. Was this on purpose, Cody? That's on purpose, Cody. I'm going to keep preaching. I want to give you four words that I want you to hold on to. Can you do that? Yeah, I'm going to keep coming on and off. Obviously, we got electrical problems. I want to give you four words this morning that I think are very valuable. And I don't want you to forget these words because these words that I'm going to give you have the ability to change your life. And not only change your life, but to be able to change the lives of those around you. Because when we follow Jesus and we're faithful to the call and we do what Jesus says do, it has the ability to create some incredible environments. So I want you to write these four words down. These are four words that you have the ability to use when you take the resources that God has given you instead of using them for yourself. You use them on the sake of other people. Are you guys ready? Can you see? Yes. So write this down, four words. How can I help? Four words. How can I help? What you're asking when you say that question is what you're saying, how do I take what I have and leverage it on behalf of other people? How do I take what I have and leverage it for the benefit of others? And see, this isn't something that Jesus just talked about, but Jesus himself demonstrated it, and he demonstrated it right inside of the gospel. He demonstrated it in the gospel when he said, I'm going to take my life and I'm going to use it as a sacrifice for your 
Gang, can you imagine what it would have been like if Jesus would have said, you guys go figure it out. You got yourself in this mess to begin with, <laughs> Doug. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? But Jesus took what he had and he leveraged it for our sake, for our benefit, and that's the gospel. Then instead of sitting back, he chose to leverage all that he had for us. But what happens if we were to take what we had and what we have been blessed with and we were to use it, whether little or much, for the benefit of others, not just for my sake, but for the sake of other people? I mean, I can just start thinking about the potential of what it would be like to live in that type of environment. I can imagine what it would be like to be in that type of environment in the workplace. How can I help? Four simple words, but a powerful reminder that we are not alone, that every person that's around us is important and valued, and then also a reminder that Jesus didn't come to, to be served, but also to serve. How can I leverage what little or lot that I have for the benefit of other people? And see, for Christ's followers, Man, this isn't just a suggestion. This isn't just an opportunity. This is an obligation for us to be able to live out because we are different. We're different. See, I don't, I don't know about you, but what I hear outside the walls of the building isn't the most positive testimonies about the church and about believers. I mean, we're always wanting to stand up for something and fight for something. And yet Jesus said, I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to use it for the sake of others. I, um, I was in the office this past week and, and we've got some changes and transitions with uh, Sheila and her retirement. And I was with Sherry and we were sitting down and going through some things and, and, and Sherry looked at me and she said, okay, let's take a little breath here. And she said, how can I help? How can I help? You know, it's, it's amazing the, the, how the temperature in a room changes when the expectation is, what are you going to do for me? And the conversation moves to, what can I do to exercise what I have? I don't know of a business owner that wouldn't go to every extent to have an employee that lived that way. I don't know of an employer that wouldn't love to have a business owner that thought from that perspective. I mean, it's, it's amazing the number of people that will even go to a church and their first conversation isn't, how can I help? Their conversation is, what are you going to do for me? These are people that have walked with Jesus for a long time. I mean, that's how a lot of people choose a church body, a church family to participate in, what are you going to do for me? I'm not there for what I can do for you and how I can be a part of what God is doing and partner with you to extend the gospel. But the question for some people is, listen, what are you going to do for me? They call that consumer mentality. When we live to serve, we're not only following the teachings of Jesus, but we're also creating a billboard for others to see the gospel up front and personal. I'm telling you, people, Christianity does not have a good name because there's a lot of people that wear the t-shirt. Man, they got the sticker on the back of the car, but when it comes to a billboard for Jesus, they're not living that way. I don't want us to be that way. That's not who we are. Are we going to make some mistakes? You bet you. Are we going to blow it? Yeah. But that's not who we are. We're different. 
I mean, what if you were to take what little bit or lot that you have and you were to, you were to use it for the benefit of others? See, what I want to do is I want you to challenge, I want to really challenge you to think beyond where you are right now to where you could be. I want you to think bigger than yourself. I want you to think bigger than just coming to church. I want you to think bigger than just memorizing a Bible verse. I want you to think bigger than that to understand that God's called us to something much bigger and much more impactful. What happens if we didn't just live life for us? What happens if we live life with, with the future in mind? You know, it's not too late to take our cues from Jesus and begin to leverage ourselves on behalf of others and to send a ripple effect into the future that will impact the generations to come. You know, I, it's become really big for us over the past several years um, during the holiday season, the Christmas season, to take up a lot of moon Christmas offering. And this year, you know, our goal was 17000 You gave generously like over $44,000. You know, we don't have a Lottie Moon Christmas offering because Lottie Moon was a person who thought about herself. We don't have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering because Lottie Moon was consumed with herself and bringing glory to herself. We have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering because she was sacrificial in their life. And as a result of that, there were people that noticed and they created this offering that now, this last, last year, produced some $170 million in resources that went out across the world. To, to minister and to reach and meet the needs of missionaries that were serving in international waters. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. But as followers of Jesus, we not only have an opportunity, but we have a responsibility. Because living for Jesus is something worth living for. You know, when you're dead and gone, what legacy will you leave? Will it be the money you made? Will it be the buildings you built? What legacy will you leave that sends ripples into the future? What legacy will you leave that will have been for the benefit of others and to bring God the glory? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, this is how you do it. But I don't want you to do it the way the world does it because I want you to know that we're different. See, there's the world, the way the world does it, but then there's the way that I do it. And if you follow me, you're not only be, going to be better off, but those around you are going to be better off as well. <laughs> but Mark wasn't done. Mark wasn't finished. And, and he comes back and with some final words on this in verse 45. And look at what he says. For even the Son of Man came not to be served. In other words, Jesus wasn't asking us anything that he himself um, wasn't already doing. He didn't come to be served but to serve others. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give, what did he say? His life as a ransom for many. And from then on out, things would begin to change. The cross, the crucifixion wasn't far off, and things began to change very quickly. And these guys that Jesus had talked to, if you know the story, eventually they would run and flee when Jesus was arrested. They were fearful of their own lives. And yet Jesus would still continue to embrace them and engage them and encourage them by saying, come follow me. Come walk with me. Come hang out with me. Come learn from me. Come watch me. Get to know me. 
Because what I want you to learn is I want you to take what little bit you've been given or much that you've been given and I want you to learn to use it for the benefit of others because there are others that need to know Christ. And when we live as Jesus invited us to live and we follow him, it has an impact in the sphere of influence that we, that we walk. Meeting on Sunday mornings is really important, isn't it? The gathering of the body is important. The fellowship, the encouragement, man being able to love each other and, and just, you know, high five and sit down and, be, and, and have some incredible music like we have and see baptisms and sit down and talk about the Word of God. But you know when the work really begins? We walk out these doors. And some of you are going to be thrown back into toxic situations tomorrow. Some of you guys are going to be put back in environments that nobody else around you, you may be the only person in that environment, and here you are, you're going, Pastor said, how in the world am I supposed to take what I have and live it out and serve others? I mean, it's so discouraging. Can I say this? It only takes a spark, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And a light in a dark place is very bright. But will you have courage to take what you've heard and what the scripture has to say and to, and to live it out? What will you be able to leverage this week in whatever environment you may find yourself for God's glory? See, you don't have to wait till tomorrow to bring this about. See, because you're going to get home and there might, be, there might be some dishes that need to be washed or there might be floors that need to be cleaned or there might need to be a task that needs to be completed, and you don't have to wait on somebody else to do it. But what you have the ability to do is your children, you can ask them, is there something I can do to help? You can ask your spouse, how can I help? Maybe you can ask your next-door neighbors, is there something I can do to help out? Because when we live that way, and we don't think about just ourselves and about getting other people to serve us, but when we think about serving others, what it does is it opens up the door and it creates an environment for Jesus not only to be seen, but also to be talked about. You talk about billboards, you know, you don't see them as much as you used to. But you talk about a billboard that shines brightly. Show me somebody that's following Jesus and following what he said to do. And I'll show you somebody that's making an impact. Follow me, that invitation is open to every one of us. We just have to make a choice. For those of you that are employers, I pray there's something that you can take from this. Those of you that are in leadership positions, I pray, man, there's something that you can glean from this because if you take this, what Jesus said, and you begin to try to implement it within the workplace, it'll change the temperature of what happens there. For those of us that are employees, Man, what is God saying and how do I take what little bit I may have, the position that I have, and how do I use it on behalf of other people? Because when I do, I'll be like Jesus and I'll have an influence. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for the reading of the word, for the blink blinking of lights this morning. <laughs> that reminds us that even in the darkness, as I saw those lights, a light shines brightly. May we be a light that shines brightly in the places of darkness. We're going to leave this place of light today, and we're going, to, we're going to begin to make our ways out of this building and into places. And, Father, I pray that as 
our church family goes out into the highways and the byways, that our community would be illuminated by the light of Jesus that lives within us. Help us to take these principles that we've heard and help us to apply them to our lives. For those that may be here that have never trusted Jesus, even today we have the ability to bow our heads right here and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. But I believe that you died for me and I want to give my life for you. If that's anyone that's listening to my voice, whether here or online, I just pray that you would communicate with us because we'd love to be able to give you more information what it looks like to follow Jesus and to take you on this journey to begin to give you some steps that you can take as you grow in Christ. Bless us now as we leave this place. Father, as we are ambassadors, may we recognize that we, we our lives are the, the, the best picture, the best billboard that some will ever see of Jesus and what living for you looks like. Bless us as we go. Father, may we celebrate this week. May we take every opportunity we had to make the most of Jesus as we live for you and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.